What? <laughs> it worked. <laughs> Have you got one of them? Do you remember those little torches you used to get and you could put like a, a jack-o'-lantern clip on the front of the thing? <laughs> it looks like you're sitting with one of them under your chin. Mm-hmm. That's very good. I don't... <laughs> I don't, know, I don't know where it's best for it to go. <laughs> there we are. Yeah. So let me see. Recording. So welcome to um, whatever our thing is called again. I forget every week. It's it's incredibly exciting. What are you talking about? <laughs> welcome to half a stick of dynamite. That's us. And um, yeah, today we're going to talk about Kiss, right? Yeah. We're gonna draw, <laughs> we're gonna draw straws for who goes first. Well, I thought to myself when we when when we said about this the first time, how much <laughs> how much research do, do either of us actually need to do here? <laughs> well, I had to do some. A very small amount. You so just just in case. Just in case, I put the Wikipedia site up and the and the Kiss, the Kiss online site as well. Just, <laughs> which is absolute nonsense, isn't it? Really, because if there's if there's something that we don't know about Kiss, then <laughs> yeah, we've made it up. Very sad. <laughs> um, so so our our thing this week is. When did you first become aware of and get into Kiss? And I'm going to toss this coin for who goes first here. Right, okay. So, so uh, you call it... Tails. Tails for whales. Oh, no, you lost. I got heads. <laughs> <laughs> so you can go first. Ah, okay. So I was just trying to, I was just trying to think, actually, what was the first record? I heard by them and when that was, and I can't honestly tell you when it was. I must have been 13, I think. So hang on, we're, we're, we're the same age, so you're 13 in 1980. So it would have been, well, maybe 14 then, 14. And gotcha. it was through. I, I was lucky that... Um, I absolutely hated school. I hated it with a passion. And there was nothing of any interest in there apart from the fact that I had a mate who was also into rock music of all types. And he had an older brother, the classic older brother, who was also into all kinds of rock music and was very free with his... Um, <laughs> <coughs> with his uh, his knowledge and and you know putting us on to the stuff that he was listening to and some of it was really weird and some of it was most excellent and i think i must have been 14 when his his brother my friend brought in a copy of kiss alive 2 ooh that's a big one yeah um and i think that was the first time I had properly heard Kiss or at least paid any attention to it. And obviously the first thing was looking at the pictures on the front 
and Gene Simmons looked absolutely awesome with the, his hair all sweated down and his makeup all running and blood all over his face and just absolutely incredible. And then you open up the double, the gatefold sleeve and there was the huge stage set with the flames going and it was just fantastic. Got to get me some of this, I thought. <laughs> but at this point, you still hadn't heard a note. <laughs> I don't think so. That's I honestly good. don't. I think it was, um, you know, obviously late to the party, but that was kind of like the age that we were, I suppose. Mm, very much. I remember when we first moved up here, I was what, 10, maybe. And my parents bought me a little radio, and it was a little radio, but it got the top 40 on it, and it got the Friday Rock Show on it, and John Peel. And those were the only three things that I was ever bothered about at that age. Um, and the, the Friday Rock Show was just, that was one of the things that just sort of like made such an impression, you know. Tommy Vance and you know um, new stuff old stuff um, chart stuff live stuff you know um, it was just fantastic I loved it and we also had another one in Wales didn't we called Rockpile do you remember Rock, that Rockpile they used yeah. to finish every week with Leonard Skinner's Freebird didn't they because it was so <laughs> it was so long it meant they didn't have to do any timings when yeah. the news came on, they, the record would just finish wherever it happened to be. <laughs> I can't remember who those guys were, but but thanks anyway, whoever you are. Yeah, it sounded ancient back then. Another, yeah, another one. But I mean, they, they, there was always a there always seemed to be a, a sort of like a, a particular Welsh bent there, didn't there? So as you know, you would hear quite a lot of budgie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, but yeah, they were. The, I mean, they were the shows, weren't they? I mean, the the. I guess we all started on the um, on the top forty shows, you know, when we were when we were growing up, listening to those on a Sunday afternoon, see who was what, who was where, um, who was bubbling outside because they'd always sort of like play number, some someone from from between forty five to forty, wouldn't they on the on the thing first before they actually got into the top 40. And then there was a good chance that you would hear the same bloody songs over and over again each week for months like... on end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I guess that was the industry, right? Yeah. How weird. Yeah, you're right. That's exactly how it went. But no kiss on the radio. I'll guarantee you that much. Not even on the rock shows, probably. No. I don't recall it. I think um, I think the next thing I remember is um, I was made for loving you, and we had gone on a school trip to Allegheny in Italy skiing. The one and only the one and only time I've been abroad, <laughs> <laughs> and somebody took a tape deck, and I took my cassettes with all my ACDC albums and stuff like that. So whereas I was kind of like an outcast when we first got on there, got on the plane and going on the bus all the way up there. And then we were sharing 
dorms when we got there. Um, I was quite popular by the end of it because uh, I'd managed to encourage everybody to listen to I've Got Big Balls by ACDC. <laughs> That's the way to do it. And they all thought it was excellent. <laughs> but wow. In the, in the resort that we stayed, at the, in, underneath the hotel, there was a little bar. And weirdly enough, it had a jukebox in there. And I think I spent most of whatever money I had taken with me in there listening to I Was Made For Loving You by Kiss and Clones by Alice Cooper. Wow. Everything that's a, else was... That's a very strange. niche jukebox. Really strange. Really strange. <laughs> wow. Well, let me ca- let me catch you up. Um, And this is where I had to do some research. So my... My first exposure, and I'm taking a really good educated guess at this, was September 78. I'm 10 years old. And I get looking delivered that um, excellent kid come teenage mag of our youth, which was essential. (laughs) It wasn't really. It was junk. But there was an advert in it for... Um, the four singles that came out off the solo albums. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. And the reason I remember this is because I'm scanning through it Saturday lunchtime, and I said to my gran, hey, look at this. Who'd want to buy four singles just because they had masks inside them? Well, isn't that the killing joke of most of the (laughs) next 30 years of my life? (laughs) And I remember that very distinctly. Um, And that was it. I paid them no heed after that. Um, Because I, uh, so that's about September, October 78. So I go up to big school in September. I never thought of it again. Never heard of them. September 79, I end up in big school. Same year as you, I think. Yeah, it must be. And... By the skin of my teeth, I get out of my ABBA fandom and I arrive with Adam and the Ants in my pocket. Mm. That's my badge of honour. Weird shit. No one else. How how on earth Adam sold so many records when I was the only person I knew who liked Adam and the Ants is beyond me. Um, That's funny because... There was, the, the, I think I was the only person in my school that liked Adam <laughs> and the Ants as well. I had the big, um, you remember the ant, the ant logo, the with ant the warrior ant dress, yeah, on. But I had a, I had that on the back of a denim jacket, drew, painted it on myself. I was so, so into Adam and the Ants. Yeah, yeah. I mean, me too. I had it on my rucksack. Um, hang on, I'm just going to draw you a little. Uh... <laughs> To <laughs> a really, really quick ant warrior. Where are we? Something like that. That's it. Yeah, in Biro. That's fantastic. That looks like a Quentin Blake drawing. You it should... does, doesn't it? I'm gonna sign it, Quentin. Yeah, <laughs> I'll get that on eBay later. But so I, I got to school. No, nobody liked Adam and the Ants. Everyone was still on a uh, either either still into the Sex Pistols because it was obnoxious. 
uh into rock stuff like um white snake mm. um rainbow scorpions you know that kind of thing the classic stuff just before the the new wave of british heavy metal yeah hit. yeah but then so so the first album i'm aware of like you and that's just from our age and everything is dynasty right but it, but it passed me by because I was still, I was still kind of into Adam. Yeah, this, this is this is prime Adam time. This is nineteen eighty to eighty one. Mm. But I did see, um, so I knew who they were, but I hadn't, I hadn't really got into them. And then on, it, it was either during Sesame Street or straight after Sesame Street. One day, they screen a twenty five minute documentary of kiss on the road so it's wow. all the guys putting scaffolding up putting the lighting rig up um testing out the drum riser um it's fascinating and that's the first time i ever heard kiss was this for the for the dynasty tour was it or um, was this for a previous tour this is i think it's between dynasty and unmasked because i believe they had uh, a shit ton of TV crew out with them on that dynasty tour in Australia, didn't they? Yeah. Cause they made that, uh, in a sanctum documentary. I'm not even sure if they toured it anywhere else. It just, every time you sort of like see anywhere footage, mm. it's always in Australia, isn't it? Yeah. And, um, yeah, as I, I'm not even sure what happened, but, but like you, I saw it suddenly, Maybe I had money. I had I had pocket money, paper round. Um, I'm thinking maybe I had enough autonomy to actually go and buy a record. And like you, the only one I I'd seen that I wanted was Alive Two. You just look mm. at that cover, but it was so expensive, and I swapped the sticker on it at least five times in the record shop. The price sticker, <laughs> and then the, but they must have had it written on the on the white inside sleeves, how much it really was. And I never got away with it. And I ended up buying, um, I ended up buying the elder instead, which is really crap. Cause it hasn't got, it's not crap, but it hasn't, it hasn't got any pictures of them on it at all. Is it? Um, and I was no. very pleased with it, but, but around that same time, still, I'm the only, I'm the only person who kind of likes them. Um, but then Kerrang comes out. But then they're in my face every week, every fortnight. Yeah. Then you can start to read about Gene. Ace leaves the band and Vinny's in. That that's where I really come into it properly. Yeah. I think. And that's just that's just our age. It's it's nothing, you know. Um Yeah, so that was me. And when when um so between the elder and creatures, I was all in. I had money, I started buying the albums. Getting them for what do you want for birthday and Christmas? I have this Kiss album, this one, this one, this one, and this one. Just I became obsessed, and as far as I know, through my entire five years at school, I was it. Yeah, I could not name one other Kiss fan, not my metal friends, not any weirdos I knew. No one, just just me. No, isn't that weird? I think um, I think I was quite lucky, although it sounds to me like Wrexham was more of a a rock-oriented 
kind of corner of the world Bangor was at that time. <clears throat> yeah, maybe <clears throat> maybe the key thing there is I went to um I went to school in Rosset, which is mm, a small village between Wrexham and Chester, so it wasn't even one of the big urban Wrexham schools where I might have got a bit more luck. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was strange. I, I can't even remember where I got all in. I, I know I I lied about a lot of things, and you know I used to do things like tell people I had fifty Kiss albums. And then they'd go, well, they haven't made that many. And then someone would go, well, there must be bootlegs. And I'd go, yeah, that's right, they're bootlegs. <laughs> and I'd just make up names for them because I just wanted to be that guy. Mm. That, that, <laughs> that's really funny because <clears throat> I say I, I didn't have that much money, so I was lucky that um, what, what I would do is I would spend my money on cassettes. So you'd get like a... A, a C90 tape and you'd give it to your mate and he would, if he was feeling generous, record a couple of albums, one on each side. Um, and if you were lucky, the album was just under 45 minutes long. So you could actually get the last track on there. Otherwise it would be halfway through the last song and it would just, it would just end. <laughs> they were always under 45 minutes back then, weren't they? You yeah. even get some extra singles on there that by bands you liked but didn't really like all their stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think I. I mean, I, I'm. I'm assuming that's got something to do with the, you know, the the the, the capacity the, of vinyl. Yeah. Yeah. Which obviously changed again, didn't it? In the was it the the late eighties, early nineties when they started um, reproducing those albums as double albums on 45 yeah. um, so that the quality was better, the vinyl was heavier, all that stuff. Uh, but um, yeah, I think the, the problem, the problem with the, the early nineties was CDs. When CDs came out, the compression on them was so, there was so much compression on them that the, to, to get the, you know, the, that amount of digital data onto a disc that the production just sounded awful so every record that you had when it was on a record it sounded great if you bought the cd version it always sounded like a it had been recorded in a baked bean tin you know and i think you know and and, and it's still still now if you listen to a lot of those those things on cd like you know the the the, the classic motley crew rap all that all that sort of stuff it sounds woeful on a cd but if you listen to it, you know, on, on vinyl, it Molly sounds... Crew sound awful on any format. <laughs> by by comparison, but in, important to this is 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 this is kind of what brought us together. Back end of back end of back end of eighty seven nine no nineteen early early ninety eight back end of ninety seven eighty seven something like that. Now. You had maybe, I'm going to take a rough guess, at a thousand vinyl albums at Some least. Of, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I reckon something like that. Yeah, yeah you had the most extensive vinyl collection <laughs> I have ever seen. Physically. When you grow up, when you grow up in the, uh, in the wilds of North Wales, <laughs> 
<laughs> there is not a lot for you to do. And yeah. there was no internet back then. Um, there was no streaming services back then. So you just had originally the three channels and then and then welcomed the fourth channel. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, by, by stark contrast, I had <laughs> a small Philips tape deck and two cassette tapes. One of which had uh, the two TKO albums on it, uh, In Your Face and the third one, Below the Belt. Below the Belt, Or is yeah. it the other way around? can't remember. And the other tape cassette had um, Living in Oz, uh, which I still love. Springfield. Springfield. Great album. And um, Morrison Hotel on the other side. And that was my... By the, I'd been to London and back, lost, sold, killed, everything, and that was all I had. So it was quite, uh, it was quite nice to meet someone who had still had a collection left. That pink tape deck was absolutely legendary, <laughs> as well. <laughs> Glam rock to the core. The, 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 the cover had come off the front bit, so you had to sort of like you know. You had to put the, the tape in and press play really quickly, otherwise it would just fall out. And it was covered in paint. And <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised any sound came out of the amount of dirt in the grills on it. <laughs> it's a fantastic piece of kit that was, but it yeah. worked. <clears throat> yeah, it's all you need. It's all you needed. It was all I had. <laughs> but then that that was cool because then I knew this guy who had a lot of stuff that I. I couldn't get my hands on, like, you know, it's like the, um, I think at, at some point I'd owned the Castle Black albums for sure. I must have, mm. but they'd long gone. And you were the only person uh, I've known in 50 years other than <laughs> me to, to own those. And you taped them for me again. And that was, so that was, I must've gone on a blank tape buying spree. Um, Cause you had an awful lot of stuff I'd never heard of as well. Now there's a, there's a, a, an interesting little sidebar about Castle Black, isn't there? And uh, uh, your um, <laughs> yeah. your relationship with uh, Regent Sinclair, the singer, and 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 my wife's <laughs> very brief relationship with Regent Sinclair. I'll tell well. the first half of the story. <laughs> I was running. Um, I'd launched a mag called Zero, and. My my whole brief with it was, I am going to interview. Apart from trying to get the job done of selling mags with with bigger artists, I'm going to introduce people to all the things I love that never get a look in. So we were interviewing bands like um, Kings X, Tea Party. These wow. these bands never got a look in anywhere. No, and um, we were doing okay, and then I thought. Just one of them things. I thought. I wonder if Regent's still around, because he'd be a great interview. And just, I just want to do it anyway. I emailed him. He came back to me and said, um, "Funnily enough, I'm just putting this um, limited edition three CD box set together of all the Castle Black, Monster Island, um, a black collection." He was working through the track list. 
and he said and it's going to have all kinds of things like um um like notes and pictures and stuff in the little booklets and and sleeve notes and i said oh who's doing your sleeve notes and i can't remember what he said but i i said can i do one and he went yeah okay so I did. <laughs> it was that easy yeah okay i probably wrote it that afternoon emailed it to him and he said that's great and then some weeks later this this box turns up signed by regent i was very pleased with it because i had a friend called um a friend a pseudo friend called damn i can't remember his name but he was he lived in somewhere like phoenix and he wanted to be a rock dj and he had a little show on something and he ended up like writing liner notes for for people like rob zombie and he made quite a name for himself and i was quite jealous so i ended up doing castle black which is hardly in the same league um but i was happy with it i was happy with it from from a financial point of view yes not the same but from a, a kudos point of view <laughs> the kudos is very much underground <laughs> it's right up there, mate, as far as I'm concerned. Wow. Thanks. And that spawned quite a nice little friendship between me and Regent until um until it didn't. We didn't fall out or anything. It just sort of Well, I've done what I can for you and you've sent me your stuff and um let's press on kind of thing. Yeah. But then weirdly flip to North Wales. <laughs> this way we do that scooby doo thing yeah. your side of the story is just as strange <clears throat> my side is just as strange yeah um and, and of course <clears throat> where previously we we were both tape traders with people all across the globe because that's how you got your stuff in those days. You couldn't pick something off YouTube or off the internet or whatever. You had to actually oh, yeah. find somebody that was interested in the same things that you were, but would be in a different place, so would have access to different stuff, but the same stuff. So we would kind of like write to people in Los Angeles so that we could get demos from bands like Vane and... Jet Boy and Pre-Boy Floyd and stuff like Love, that. Hate. Love, Hate. Alice um, in Chains, before they were anything. Yeah. Tons of stuff. <clears throat> and that's what we used to do. We used to, and then we would, we would retape that stuff and we would move it along down the line to the next person who wanted it and hope that somebody would trade some other stuff with us back again. And that's how, that's how you got your, your shit from people, you know? That's how you learned about these bands, mostly, because... A lot of them hadn't even been signed, had they? You know, so this is like way before people like Poison were getting their record deals and stuff like that. You know, um, and your whole and knowledge was based on, like, if you got in touch with a tape trader, they send you a list, yeah, of bands, and you'd look, and the only way you knew those bands even existed was just by plucking them off a list. Going, Jet Boy, never heard of them. Yeah, sound good. Do it. Yeah. So I remember getting a tape through. I mean, just slightly off, off off subject, but I remember getting a tape through the post with um, first Jet Boy demos on with like Car Sex and 
don't mess with my hair. And of course, he had no idea about don't mess with my hair until much later on when you actually get to see Mickey Finn and his incredible mohawk. Yep. Up until that point, it just it didn't really mean anything, you know. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so and and some of those some of those demos were 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 um, turned out to be the, the the Castle Black stuff, and then later on, we got the um, the Monster Island demos when he when he he changed the name to Monster Island, um, and then and then changed it again to Black. So we had all of these demos, these original demos, which were just, uh, they were just incredible stuff. Like um, There was loads of stuff on them that's never turned up anywhere yeah. other than on those demos. Yeah. Like um, 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 <laughs> all those things we can't remember. I know you're a bitch. Yeah. Um, which were alternate versions to the ones that that, that went on to the, the albums, weren't they, and stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fuck off! That, I don't want to dance. <laughs> that never made it onto the box set, did it? I don't think. I don't know. I, I don't know. Remember. It should have done. But I mean, they're you know they were just, they're just incredible songs. Really, really good songs. In fact, I thought the the weakest the weakest song they did was when they did um, Black Diamonds. <laughs> to be honest, and I thought you know I thought it was kind of like weaker than their stuff. You know. They had a strange production sound, didn't they? It always sounded um, kind of underproduced. That that kind jaded. of yeah. There was a lot of that stuff. There wasn't it. There was like heavy metal America records and and um, what do we have in this country? Neat records and stuff where it sounded like nobody knew how to engineer a record. Yeah. Um, it was just kind of like you know everything was either really tinny or everything was louder than everything else. So there was no kind of finesse to anything. Yeah. But um, I digress anyway. So I read that Regent was putting together this box set. <laughs> Where did you read such a thing now? I don't know. I think it must have been. Because the internet have... was very young. Yeah. For that sort of thing. Well, this is, I mean, this isn't, this isn't that long ago, to be honest. This is probably only about, this is probably only about 10 years ago. So this is probably quite a long time after it's actually, you know, actually come out. Okay. So it came out 2004, I would say. Yeah. So yeah, it's probably, that's what I was doing probably, the mag. And I, and I, and I've come across something on online that says, oh, um, uh, uh, Castle Black doing the um, this this comprehensive box set with all the, the stuff, and I was like frothing at the mouth. I, <laughs> I've where do I get that? I've got to get that. That's just fantastic, you know. One of those things that you just must have. And I looked everywhere for it, nowhere to be found. Couldn't get it anywhere at all, anywhere at all. And then Kate said to me one day for Christmas or my birthday, I can't remember, you know what would you like as if you said i'd be amazed if you could really if you could find this for me that would be incredible and so weeks went past and unbeknownst to me um she had given up looking on all of the normal places where i could find everything as well i just said fuck it i'm gonna get in touch with regent st Clair." so she did which is no <laughs> mean she, feat 
no. And she managed to get his email address, emailed him and explained that I was a huge Castle Black fan. And that um, obviously that, you know, I've, I've been searching all over the place for this, uh, for this box set. And, uh, and he responded and she bought one direct off him. Two dollars. He, he, he signed it to me and everything. And then one day, whenever it was Christmas birthday, I can't remember. I opened up this, this present and there was this <laughs> box set. And, Included were the printed emails from <laughs> from her to Regent and Regent back to her, <laughs> explaining what was going on. So and uh, and then lo and behold, as I'm flicking through the the sleeve notes, <laughs> who do I see? <laughs> oh, that's right. I remember now. I've, in I've, Paul Stanley in makeup. Paul Stanley makeup. But none other than Mr. Sean Smith. Yeah, weird, huh? Because we'd lost touch with each other. Yeah. In 98. Eight. I believe. Sounds about right. Yeah, 98. Yeah. That was uh, just a, a very strange thing, wasn't it? Just sort of like, you know, how easy it is to get caught up in doing something different and then realize that you you don't realise how much time passes. Yeah. You really don't, do you? Like, uh, about 20 years easily, 22 years. Many, many years, yeah. And then, but it's just like, oh, I have all the people to write the sleeve notes. How weird. <laughs> Thanks, Regent. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try and get you on the podcast one day. That would be good. We could do a three-way thing. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> with our crappy, I might have to uh, cough up some money to Zoom for that one and get more than our forty minutes worth. Uh, I, I reckon probably forty minutes would probably be more than enough for <laughs> talking to us. Yeah, Come maybe. Back. Okay, see you guys. <laughs> but um, yeah. So and the sorry, rewinding. No, I won't rewind. Um. I'm going to leave a gap there because we've got four minutes left. Let me kill this. Well, that, that gives me just enough time to say then about the, the fact that there is also something on their website now, which is run by um, Matthias Montgomery, the drummer. Yeah. And there is a, a live, um, a live show. But again, can I find it anywhere? I cannot. It's virtually impossible. And even um, weirder, you also found that new solo album of his. Yeah. Of which there appears to be one copy one only copy. in the universe. <laughs> so this is why we must email him. Yeah. Tell him to stop fucking about and just send us tapes. Oh. I have his book. I have his I have his his poetry his poetry book, which is rather good. Um Quite dark. Um, is that called Glamour and Damnation as well? I can't remember. Uh, I think it might be. Yeah, but no, we, he's very from from the limited conversations I've had. He's very much like us. Like if he just likes the same things and has the same sort of mindset of not always looking at the music 
Yeah. Look at like the, the the Castle Black album, another dark carnival did not come from music. It, it he has other interests and he brings them yeah. in and and you lose them under the music and it's fantastic. Yeah. I think the world missed the trick there. Yeah. Definitely when you see kind of like what mediocre talent kind of like trotted on for so long, you know, at the same time. It's rewinding a bit there. What was what was strange is I can't I can't quite put my finger on my whole genesis of Kiss because so I really get into them, but there's nothing to see or hear. They're not on TV. They're not really anywhere. They're kind of at the end of their life. Yeah. And then Creatures came out, which is absolutely phenomenal. They never toured over here with it. Um, but wow, what a great album. Then, and that was, wasn't that, wasn't that, um, that was just at the birth of, of MTV as we knew it then, wasn't it? I think. No, and not quite. Was, oh, no? Yeah. no, I don't know. Because didn't they, it, 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 they, they did a video for I Love It Loud, didn't they? Off that album. <laughs> and I think, is that the only video that they did for that? For that? I believe so. The only single, was that the only single off that album? And you remember, I I had the I had the seven inch vinyl, which was a black and white picture of Gene Simmons, and you could pull his pull tongue, tongue out. out. <laughs> yep. There was a tab at the back, and you could pull his tongue right out, so it just sort of like came right down as the bottom it broke. <laughs> but it was very. I can't remember when Lick It Up came out, but it didn't seem to be very long after it. Everything sort of culminated in Kisser taking their makeup off. Yeah, eighty three, I think. Which, was, I think, which gave them a new, a new lease of life. But something happened to me then, and it was called Twisted Sister. Don't you? Just while you're talking about about them going to um, lick it up. Now it did give them a new lease of life. But did you not think that when the album cover came out? how incredibly disappointing it was. Not not the fact that they were necessarily makeupless, but they just looked fucking awful. You know, like, just kind of like guys off the street, but not even kind of like really cool rock and roll guys. Do you know what I mean? It was like, it was like, we're trying to be, we're trying to be men of the people, like, you know, but that's not what we want. <laughs> we want you to look rock and roll at least. Well, Gene right. looked old. Nobody cared about Vinny because he'd only been there five minutes. Eric just looked like a child. And Paul Stanley, I guess, kind of looked like Paul Stanley, but the album was weak compared to what I then amassed as the absolute canon. Like, I'd never play Lick It Up in favour of uh, Over Alive 2 or... No. Or rock and roll over it just wasn't happening. But as you, as, you, as you sort of <sighs> twisted sister filled that hole for me, because the yeah. whole thing about Kiss and in, in the in the beginning, as I know in hindsight, is they were dangerous. They were on when you see those videos from seventy four seventy five. They were on fire. Same as when you look at um. Uh, the the Alice videos from from that sort of killer billion dollar yeah. babies era 
they were just riotous and we didn't have any of that we just got <laughs> alice doing weird shit <laughs> yeah and and kiss were on on the bones really so we turned and i know you did too you turned the only place that you, there was to turn and that was twisted sister and that um in those that, that was days... a big thing for me through school I was again. I was it. I was the only fan in school. Yeah, ditto. I, I that was when, um, Christ, I, you you could order stuff in from previous conversations we've had. Um, Cobb Records in Bangor, where they could they could order imports and stuff in for you. They wouldn't get them in, you know, as as um, a stock, but. I'd heard, I think it must have been Kerrang, something like that, that, that this rough cut CP was coming out. So I pre-ordered it at Cobb Records. And when it came, it came with a membership card. You sick, sick motherfucking friends of Twisted Sister. And I'm the my one regret is that I carried it around with me everywhere. And in the end, it just it just shattered into a thousand pieces <clears throat> because what a piece of uh, history that would have been just to just be able to flash that out of my wallet. Now I'm an SMF. <laughs> I'll make you one. <laughs> no weird, huh? It was, I mean, was it the same for you? Yeah. Yeah, Figured. absolutely. It was, uh, you know, it was kind of like where, where, where had all the, where had all the, the the flash and the bombast and everything gone? It was you know we were we were used to seeing things like Kiss Alive too and the and you know and the, and you'd seen all that stuff and you'd seen the um, the tour that they did with uh, in America with them <sighs> creatures of the night. With the tank and everything, you know, and then all of a sudden it was just kind of like all that was gone. It was just kind of like, hey, we're just gonna we're just slim down and stuff. We're like, you know, oh no, that's not what we want. We <laughs> we want more of the same. We want more of the same, please. All that stuff, that loud kind of like arrogant. And I had never heard anything like the the, the twisted sister thing because because there was I think the next thing that came out was under the blade, and then there was a there was a, a an EP that came out and it had. That's right, with the live at the marquee live stuff track. on it. Yeah, and this did it, the sound was fantastic, and it was so raw and edgy and punk and metal and everything that you wanted, and so much swearing. <laughs> I think that was half of the appeal for me. Yeah, because because Alice and Kiss never did, not really. No, not, in this. no, not like that. Not like D did. No, but the other thing was, so MTV did come around then, and they they latched onto D big time. I think they were everywhere yeah. at one point. They're on yeah. top of the pops. You'd see them on, or you'd see D anyway. Yeah, and that was at those at that time. There was all the, that that talk about some bands were would play live, and some bands wouldn't, and would just record the vocal. <laughs> <laughs> a, a separate vocal and mime to the to the new vocal with the with the backing tracks and all that sort of stuff 
and I think um, I think if I remember rightly that Twisted Sister were one of those bands that played live. You know, <laughs> did they ever? Yeah. I've seen Twisted quite a few times. Um, but let me tell you a funny Twisted story. I may have told you this before. I hope you've forgotten it. <laughs> Within the pages of Kerrang! Now, who was it? D had. Who who's the band he called out to a fight? Was it Hanoi Rocks or Man of War, or both? Oh, I don't know. He he was in London and he said because they they either Hanoi or Man of War had shouted him down about something, and he said, "Yeah, you know, in his typical way, I'm four times the man that you are," and blah blah blah. And here I am right now in Covent Garden, and I'll be here. 12 p.m. tomorrow, so if you want to come and fight it out, let's get it on. Fists, fists at dawn kind of thing. I can't remember who it was. Anyway, <clears throat> this was all printed in Kerrang, and I thought, that's a great idea. And at the time, uh, I think I was pretending I was in a band because I couldn't be really bothered to get, any, get one together because pickings were slim in North Wales for a, for a band. <laughs> He's had a feud with Crocus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Um, but he, I wrote a letter to Kerrang saying, right. saying that um, my band would challenge Man of War right. <laughs> to see who could be loudest in a show. And at the bottom, I remember writing, just for a laugh, P.S. Please, could we borrow your gear? <laughs> when you're 14 and you live in a small town in North <laughs> Wales, fun shit's hard to come by. <laughs> they, they never replied, funnily enough. Now, you saw them, didn't you? Because they, they came and played at the... Didn't they play at the uh, Memorial Hall in Wrexham? No, the, it's uh, the race course. The race course? Um, yeah, um, at the football ground. Wasn't uh, there like a, like a mini kind of festival thing there or something? Yeah, so uh, Motorhead, um, Budgie. Uh, uh, so you missed Hank, this? perhaps. Uh, maybe Anvil. Hang on, let me have a look. I should know this off by heart. Uh, when was this? What's it? 80, 84, 85? No, 82. 82? Yeah, really, really early. <clears throat> so, so, so really. Lemmy had taken uh, Twisted under his wing for some reason. Yeah. So it was Motorhead. So from the top down, Motorhead, Budgie, Tank, Raven, Orion. Who? Ooh. Twisted Sister, a band called The Moon. And the rampant antics. So this is right on, either right after or right before Under the Blade came out. Mm. Um. Wow, yeah, eighty-two. Don't remember anything about it. I didn't. I didn't stay to see Motorhead. Um, I was there for Twisted. I watched Twisted and went home. So apparently, I didn't see Orion, Raven, Tank. Or budgie either, and that was fine by me. See, I would have stayed because, because um, uh, 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 
I was never a massive fan of Motorhead, but I did have, you know, got a few Motorhead albums and uh, um, kept the flag flying, I suppose, from down this corner of the world. And uh, the um, the other band there I had was uh, was Raven. I had the, 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 all the early stuff by Raven as well. I used to, <laughs> I don't need your money, honey, and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Uh right, hang on, here we are. Um sorry, yeah, I missed Twisted it. Sister I... and Manowar were involved in a feud. In an interview, Manowar called Twisted Sister a bunch of sissy boys with makeup. <laughs> Twisted Sister challenged them to a street fight in Covent Garden, but Manowar never showed up and later apologized for offending them. <laughs> Yeah. Which was the album? Which what? Sorry. Which, which was the album that Twisted Sister did with them, where where um, they were motorbikes and leather jackets with the the twisted logos on on one side, that's, and then when you over they were all the blade. Was that, that was that under the blade? blade? They were all on the BMXs. No, no, no. It's it's some um, can't stop rock and roll, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. What a great what a great picture that was. <laughs> All leather on one side. No, no, no. Definitely... It would have been it would have been under the blade because that was the first single, wasn't it, with them on, on their little BMXs around running around the um some demolition yard in Arsenal yeah. of London. Yeah. And there was a there's a bloke in a in a TV licensed detector van chasing them <laughs> or something. But they've erased the the sign on the side. It says something like um anti-rock brigade on it i can't remember it was the 80s i'll watch that later yeah there's pictures of it here on the images for twisted sister just as much as a, 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 a gang as a band on that <laughs> jay french on his chopper <laughs> fantastic fantastic but they they you know they had a they had a sense of humor they didn't take themselves too seriously did they you know and again that was that was all part of it. Yeah, not until, not until maybe stay hungry when I think they started taking themselves very seriously. Yeah, a bit and so seriously that that it broke. Yeah, um, that was the. I guess that was the last really good album, wasn't it? Um, but it kind of like it was a bit overproduced, and I don't think it was what they were after really. But. Um, then what did you get after that? Come out and play, which was Some good. good which was Some good. Really good songs on that, but but less of a cohesive project than than the previous records. And then and then I think the last one was uh, was really wasn't it a decent solo project? I think wasn't it with um, Love Is for Suckers, which was mm. put out under the the twisted name. But um, again, some really good songs on that. But but really overblown production i thought and um again bitty you know <clears throat> and i've listened to that since i've got the i've got the reissues of all of those albums you know and um and you know extra tracks on it on on virtually everything and it, it still doesn't stand up nearly half as much as the early stuff you know it's like warrior solo it's hard to be angry and full of 
piss and vinegar once you get moving. Once you, I know this, you know, no one really made any money, but you made some money. You ain't in, you ain't in the in the clubs anymore. Not not those tiny clubs with ten people. You were actually making some money, and you had some kind of ego trip going on with it for sure. Yeah, it's it's all different when you can afford to eat. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, yeah, around then, and then and then you got what lick it up, and then asylum, and bloody blah blah. I really quite animalize. Yeah, animalize was the, the was the next album, wasn't it? Where oh, they, yeah. they came toured eighty four. I went to see them in Stafford Bingley Hall. Me too. And everybody said, oh, that's a cow shed. And I thought, ha, 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 ha. And I got there and I went, fuck, it's a cow shed. <laughs> yeah, I was at that gig because the, the, the floor sloped really steeply, didn't it? Yeah. Um, and Bon Jovi was supporting. First Ooh. time I'd ever seen Bon Jovi or heard of Bon Jovi. Were they? Yeah. Maybe yeah. I saw them on a... I might have seen them on a different tour then. Did you see tour. them on a different tour? Yeah, it must have been with um with Helix and Heavy Petting. Mm. The the one before. Yeah. Okay. That was okay. So, yeah. So eighty four, they 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 were they did the big tour on the back of Animal Eyes, <clears throat> and everything was um different animal skins and patterns and stuff, and we all went there with fairy boots and. Yep. Sewed bits of zebra skin print things to our trousers and, you know, <laughs> all that stuff. And, and I, still, I still went know. to that show by myself. Nuts. Yeah. In fact, my, my two school friends who you've met once or twice, John and Daryl, yep. went to see Kiss uh, two, three years ago. Just right. to just to see what all the fuss was about for fifty years, and they really enjoyed it. They were yeah. like, "Oh, I can see what you see now." It's like, "Well, it's a bit late now, isn't it?" <laughs> yeah, the farewell tour, the end of the line tour, whatever they're calling it this time. Yeah, but you know, I guess you know, whatever they they thought it was great, um, and I felt vindicated a little bit because I still hated all the bands that they liked back then. <laughs> But but that, I think that tour kind of broke Bon Jovi as well. And, it certainly uh, didn't break Kiss, did it? No. And that was kind of like the bad thing, really, because when I look back now, listen to the first Bon Jovi album, the second Bon Jovi album, by the second Bon Jovi album, the um, 7-800 Fahrenheit, they were playing Manchester Apollo. And we went to see them on that tour. This yeah. is their second album and they were playing... They were playing places like that, and which is where Kiss had played. Yeah, and when you when you listen back to it now, and you listen to other bands that were out at the same time, and you think, how on earth did they get to be where they are? I mean, it's a miracle that Slippery When Wet ever got made, really, because you know anybody in there, anybody that listens back now and says Coney Hatch aren't a hundred times better than Bon Jovi on those first two albums is a fool. <laughs> you know, and many more bands like that, you know, so many more bands like that, you know, and it was only when Slippery When Wet came out that, you know, all of a sudden they started writing proper songs and, you know, 
Or oh, did they? Or or somebody did for them, perhaps. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, strange times, strange times. Yeah. But I remember. I remember, oh God, stories, kiss stories. I remember going to. Um, we were down in Carnaby Street one time. Um, gone down to London to go to Shades um, in Wardour Street and Tower Records and all those places. And we would always go through Carnaby Street because there's like little record shops and clothing shops and stuff there that were right up our street for that kind of like, you know, glam kind of thing that we were all into at that time, mm -hmm. you know, trying to, you know, sort of glam punk kind of what, anything like that. <clears throat> and I remember that was the first time that I saw the solo album posters, not the, not the ones that came, you know, the kind of like arty things that came in the solo, in the solo album records mm, where you put them together. Cut out things on them. Freeze. Yeah. Yeah. But, but these were actual massive bus stop size posters of the, of the solo album covers. And I was, how, how do I get that? How do I get that? Uh, you know, this, you know, five foot poster of, of Peter Chris, or, you know, the Peter Chris album cover. Wow. That was, it was just fantastic. Absolutely amazing. You know, but never, never found him. But we used to go to, we used to go all over the place. Uh, again, going back to tape trading and stuff like that. You used to be able to go to these little record stores, Liverpool, Manchester, stuff like that. You just get on a train and go for a day or whatever, wouldn't you? London, you know, even London was a, it was just, you know, it was a, a hall. You'd get, you'd get the, the five o'clock train down there, you know, get down there for like, you know, 10 o'clock, scoot all the way around the record shops and then try and get the last train back. Yeah. yeah. With bags and, and stuff. Yeah. But you'd find these, you'd find these, these tiny little record shops that did bootlegs and stuff like that. And I remember we used to spend days, weekends going up to Manchester and sitting in these little record shops, listening to the bootlegs and the guys would be going, are you, are you going to buy any of these? You know, and they said, well, they're a bit expensive, right? I, I can put it on tape for you for a fiver. Yes, tape this one for me. <laughs> yeah. And we'd sit there for the for the whole day, just kind of like, you know, waiting for them to record because there was no speedy way of doing it. You had to literally put the album on the turntable, press record on the tape player and just let it play through, you know? Brilliant. And, and that so, <laughs> yes, yes, we, yeah. I want this Kiss concert, and I want this Kiss concert. So we'd be there for like you know, we'd be there for like six hours, just you know, with them recording these fucking tapes for us. <laughs> all you ever needed was one. Yeah, one from each tour because they're all the yeah, they're all the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, I've just a... rem I've just remembered that that um, what would this be? This would be about. 89, 90, we're, we're down in Margate. Do you remember we had that opportunity to pool our rent money and buy that Kiss pinball machine? Oh, yeah. And we ummed and ahed about it. How would we pay the rent? How would we how would we get the Kiss pinball machine home in the back, in the back of Lee's polo? <laughs> Maybe it's a good job we didn't. It was knackered as well, wasn't it? It was a right old piece of crap. The urban assault vehicle. <clears throat> well, I've, I must have spent so much money on Kiss stuff. So much money. 
Yeah. Unbelievable I, I, amounts. I sold all mine to Lee in the end, didn't I? In, um, in Little Nesting. My, my entire, yeah, he, he, took, he, he had my entire collection off me in the end of picture discs and red vinyls and all the coloured vinyls there. Because um, he had a massive collection. He actually had a Kiss Pinball machine. Me who? Um, can't remember his surname. Not the he was drummer dr guy. Yeah. The drummer yeah. guy that used to make stained glass windows. Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, Lee. I didn't know you'd sold it all to him. Yeah, yeah, because he was a massive Kiss fan as well, huge Kiss fan. Yeah, yeah. And he he actually he actually bought me a ticket to go and see them at um, <clears throat> Finsbury Park. Took me down to Finsbury Park um, to see that one, um, which was w w one of the um, that's the reunion the, tour, right? Yeah, the reunion tour. Yeah, and it was all you know the original band with the the makeup and everything. Yeah, so yeah, that was um, yeah, that was cool. Uh, Paul Stanley coming from the one of the towers on his on his um on his yeah. high wire yeah <laughs> lee langton is that right lee don't know he was a drummer too wasn't he he was yeah yeah <clears throat> he, had a, he had an accident and they were um accident work didn't he play with dare at some point i don't know i don't know to be honest he was a good guy yeah, yeah. He, was he wasn't in my band, so he wasn't. <laughs> That's the way I worked back then. <laughs> no, tosser, crap. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. <laughs> but now it's quite fun to be a Kiss fan with YouTube at your disposal and, uh, and having some money and you can buy things and not that you'd need to because it's all on YouTube. Yeah. yeah, documentaries and hindsight and facts and figures. It's quite good fun to be a, a Kiss fan in, in a way that it's not. Like, no one talks about White Snake in the same way or, or Rainbow or. No. It's, it's a very elite thing. It was one of the, um, one of the Rock on Tears um, episodes mm. I was listening to. Um, and I think it was they talking to Paul Stanley, which, by the way, was a really, really good episode. It's one of the best interviews I think I've heard him do on that on that show. Um, um, and they were talking about um, they were talking about the merchandise stuff and saying about you know they they cornered the market in the merchandising and up up till that point, you know, nobody was doing that sort of stuff, you know. Kiss kind of like basically invented the merchandising thing, you know, um, and uh, Ghost are, are continuing that really, really, really well. <laughs> um, but they were about the Kiss coffin, and um, and I'm sure it was Dimebag Daryl that got buried in a Kiss coffin. I believe so. Yeah, I mean, so I, I mean, their influence. It's you know it's not even far and wide. It's much 
broader than that. I mean, so many people. Like they're on Family Guy. They've been in The Simpsons. They're on. Yeah. I don't know. It's Scooby Doo. Yeah. Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo. <laughs> like, not, not just once, four or five times. Yeah. Um, yeah, nuts. And now you can see, like you said, you know, you find all this stuff on YouTube now. So you can see um, things like the um, the original the original TV advert for, for Hot Than Hell yeah. and stuff like that. You know, oh, my God. Look at this. What it was never, that? 1974? Never came here, did it? Nothing no. like that ever came over here. And God no, knows I, I watched enough TV to have seen it if it did. <laughs> I used to have I used to have a diary. Right? <laughs> yeah. My mum, my mum brought me and my sister diaries one year in the in the hope that we would actually write something something um wait, you know now useful. Wait, you know. <laughs> did it say Thursday, whatever January? Watch Six Million Dollar Man. Yes, it is. <laughs> Watch Dukes of Hazard. Watch Six Million Dollar Man. <laughs> that was it. That yep. was it. There was nothing else in there. It was. Like a, What's the Incredible Hulk? The history of my, yeah. my TV watching. <laughs> so sorry, Mum. Sorry, sorry to have let you down there. But, but clearly, that, clearly, I knew what my where my interests were. Yeah, do you know what's weird? I haven't changed much. I still watch Starsky and Hutch any opportunity you give me. Yeah. Over most other things. Well, like you said about the other day about my library here, it's a uh... <laughs> public toilet. There is pretty much nothing I've got <laughs> that I haven't got. You know, I've got the, I've got. I've got box sets of the original Starsky and Hutch and the remakes with Ben Stiller and uh, Owen Wilson and stuff. Um, all, uh, loads of those seventies shows, you know, things just, just, just all here. Have you, know? you got a copy of uh, Houdini with Paul Michael Glazer? No. Have you ever seen it? No, I haven't. Track that monkey down. Talking of monkey. <laughs> have you got a monkey box set? I have a monkey box set. Wow. <laughs> have you got the water margin? Yeah, of course he's got the water margin. What a stupid question. I have the water margin right next to it, right down here. The whole, the entire box set of the water margin. There's, there's four of those, isn't there? Did he? I think. <clears throat> Sorry? I think there's four seasons of that, is it? Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10, 11, 12. There's 13 DVDs. Each one has got two movie length episode things on it. Okay. So, I mean, that's a lot of water margin. It is. <laughs> Have you but seen um, the new monkey on Netflix? I haven't, no. It's, no, um, it's, on my, it's on my to watch list, but. Don't rush. <laughs> <laughs> don't rush. No, it's like watching them. Um, 
It's a, bit, a little bit too Benny Hill. Oh, really? Yeah, it's um, some of it's good. There's the, like everything, the writing's not there anymore. They thought they could get away with it just being Monkey and his buddies, but um, it's not the same. It's no. too, too modern. It just doesn't doesn't catch it. Is, it. is it called the Monkey King or something like that? Is it called? I believe it's called Monkey. It might be. Yeah, there's a couple of movies on there as well with different casts. Um, it's either called the Monkey King or Monkey Magic, isn't it? One of the two. Yeah. Yeah. Don't mm-hmm. rush. Monkey Magic. <laughs> Classic TV, though. You know stuff that stuff that we grew up on, and it definitely had an influence on us. Mm-hmm. You, know? you know, really. It's funny how before we met and after we met and when we lost touch and everything, we still liked all the same things. <laughs> there must be thousands of people like us in this country even, who just watch the same diaries. Dog. <laughs> Even down to the same dog. <laughs> yeah, that is that's weird. We've both become bespectacled. Yeah. And unshaven. Yeah. Well, yeah, that that <laughs> that that beautifully uh, <laughs> beautifully clean face uh, yeah. soon wore off, didn't it? There's there's tales to be told there as well, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why grunge took off. But hey, if we get into the sound garden, we don't have to shave anymore. Yeah, and we can just get our clothes from the local a bin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not good. Well, that's cool. We got we got we got we got four minutes left. So next week. I believe we're going to attempt our personal top five favorite horror movies of all time. Now, they're our favorites, so they're not necessarily the best. <laughs> well, I've, I've got my list down to 17. Have you? Yeah. I think I've got my list down to about 32. <laughs> really hard I to can... throw things out. And I keep putting one next to that one, two next to that one. And then I go further down and I go, oh, shit, I forgot about that one. No. Oh, that one's now three. That one's now, oh, that one's gone off the list altogether. You know. But I guess if we're going to chat about them, <clears throat> there's no point having The Exorcist on as great as, as it is, because what can you say about it that somebody hasn't said already a million times? Yeah. So I think we should go a little bit off piste in in the spirit of uh, saying something else. <laughs> even even right. though Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers is not a horror movie. <laughs> Killer clowns from outer space. <laughs> no, that's not even close to my top 100. <laughs> Awful. <laughs> but I remember you owned a copy of that. Yes, I do. <laughs> you still do. I still do. <clears throat> now find a new note to self find new podcast partner <laughs> <laughs> quickly dog will do in a pinch yeah I didn't say I watched it it was just a thing that I owned 
That's a dreadful movie. Um, so yeah, many, many CDs of bands that, that that fit into the same category, but I haven't thrown them out yet. <laughs> so are you game for it? Do you reckon you can do five? Five is a really, it's a really tall order, I think. But would you, would you I'll like give it a go. Would you like to do? Well, if we do five each, that's um ten. Yeah, that's only six minutes each per video. So maybe we should just do three. Well, I'm just <clears throat> well. Now you're changing the parameters though by saying you know we do, you know let's leave out the you know. So what else do you leave out if you're leaving out <laughs> if you're leaving out The Exorcist? Are you leaving out Halloween because that's also a you know, a well, common actually, one. That's actually on my list, but <laughs> but I've got the Rob Zombie versions on my list. Ah, right, which, okay. which I think are far superior in every way. Um, I did have Rosemary's Baby on my list, as did I, and I put it to one side, thinking, uh, "Who wants to talk about Polanski anymore?" And you know, lots of things have been said about it anyway. Um. I could tell you my list. I'll text it to you later. <laughs> no, well, I'll take a picture of it and send it to you because I can't be asked writing it out. But Polanski actually did the night okay, didn't he? He did. Which is an excellent film. It is. It's not on my list, though. No, it's not on mine. <laughs> I'm just going to add it now. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's hard to say what you know what belongs where, isn't it? You know, did, does some stuff come under? Um, you like we said about Jaws, and you know, does some stuff come under um, kind of blockbustery things, action adventure, or does some stuff come under science fiction? It's, you know, I don't know. Okay, look, we got I got two minutes left before we get killed. So <coughs> let's say if the movie would never have appeared in Fangoria. Right. Not allowed to have it. Although right. that's probably quite wide because they probably would have had Jaws in there, wouldn't they? Yeah, I guess. For They'd the, do anything the... to sell a mag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we shall continue this this week and come up with some parameters. And next week, come up with an enjoyable, highly enjoyable show of uh horror movies and i'll try and publish ready. it on halloween so that just ready for halloween yeah i'm always <laughs> ready for halloween <laughs> hey halloween oh, damn trick or treat gotta add that one now <laughs> is that actually a scary movie <laughs> no um, and Gene Simmons in it. <laughs> yeah, it's scary for that reason alone. Wake up, sleepy heads. <laughs> Gotta say goodbye. Dude, it's been a pleasure again. I know. <laughs> really enjoyable. <laughs> Always. And I will um we'll catch up next week. Yep. Definitely. See you later, Chief. Adios. Bye all. <laughs>